Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is a digital design and marketing expert that has been working in the luxury hospitality industry for the past 11 years. From a young age, she was always interested in art, design, and computers and decided to combine all three and pursue a degree in graphic design. She then went on to work in the hospitality industry, which is where she found her niche and was responsible for managing the digital and social media strategies for large hotel chains. Nowadays, she works as a freelance consultant using her expertise to help companies in all areas regarding marketing. She is also the founder of the Coffee Banter podcast, which centers around having conversations around the basic questions of existence, creativity, social healing, and art all over a cup of coffee. During this episode, we discussed her career experience working in the hospitality industry. We talked about how digital marketing has evolved and what the future looks like. And she shared with us a personal story surrounding her experience with grief. She has always been a supporter of brands that have a cause and a social impact. Through her years of experience, she realized that the most important aspect behind any form of marketing is the story you're trying to tell. And the last message she wanted to share with us is that a little empathy goes a long way to helping us create deeper and meaningful relationships. Please welcome to the show, my good friend, Miss Sania Zafar. Thank you, Khaled, and it's a pleasure to be on the show with you. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So guys, for those of you who don't know, me and Sania met a few months back, and I was actually a guest for the first time on her podcast called The Coffee Banter Podcast. Yeah. And now we thought it'd be her turn to be a guest for the first time and bring her on my podcast. So I'm really excited to speak to you. So Sania, I know you have 11 years of experience in social media and digital marketing and so on, and we're going to get into all that a little later, but... For the people who don't know, why don't you give all of us just a little bit of intro about yourself and we'll take it from there. Right. So my name is Sanya. I'm from Pakistan. Most of my life I have been uh, living in Pakistan and um, I studied design. I think everywhere, you know, in all of the college applications, everywhere I've written the story. And I know it's such a cliche, but it's true that I've always loved art and design but I always knew that I didn't want to get into traditional painting or art because I really liked computers and you remember that back in those times we had Microsoft PowerPoint back when (laughs) and paint when we didn't have a graphic design software so I still have pictures from that time from the 90s in my dad's album where I'm actually sitting on PowerPoint and I'm creating custom animations okay they were pretty cool animations from that time so I just used to love that and I you know I just go if I'm taking a shower I take an hour because I'm I'm reading the labels of things and you know I'm I notice those things yeah um and I knew I didn't know what it was like if it's a discipline I never knew what graphic design is but I loved magazines I loved reading but I was always interested in like the packaging and those things yeah so then um I heard about a program. It was the first time being offered in the city I was living in, and um, I just applied. I, I thought, let's see what it's all about, because I didn't want to get into painting and arts like m- most of my artsy friends were. And um, it just opened a lot of doors for me because I found out that this was my calling. I loved those four years. I hated my university. <laughs> what, did, lo- what did you hate about it? I hated the fact that it was a woman university. A what university? A women. Women only. Oh, women. Okay. They were only yeah, girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it used to be the kind of university that you would, you know, like your friends would tease you about, oh, you're, you're there. But <laughs> my problem was that that particular course, it was just new. So nobody was really taking up the courage to offer it because they didn't have the faculty. But this one, they had an amazing faculty. They had these two amazing professors and I have, I'm still in touch with them. Huge respect for them. And um, I really enjoyed that course. And the moment I finished my university, I did my bachelor's in computer arts with a major in graphic design. I got offered a job in an agency in Islamabad. So I started working there and I was there for three years. 
three to three and a half years. And that was a long time considering it was my first job. But, sure. you know, that I think paved way for kind of like a committed employee that I was. And I, I had a lot of fun there work-wise. There were so many projects to work on. And I think back then it was that time where SMEs were beginning to boom in America. It was after the recession. So there were a lot of uh, small business owners, you know, like anybody who had any skill was writing eBooks and coming up with their own thing. Pretty much now as post COVID it's happening. So I remember that there were a lot of interesting projects and, you know, I always um, admired how entrepreneurship was and yeah. you know, that word was new for me at that time as well. But it was nice doing branding for those small clients. And then sometimes we had big projects and I developed my portfolio basically during that time. During that time working, yeah. working at that yeah. agency. So yeah, after that, I somehow landed into hospitality. There's a hotel group called Serena Hotels. They have their, um, their head office in Islamabad. They have hotels in Africa and Asia. So they had a position, graphic design. I thought, you know, let's check it out. And that was a completely new experience. and. I figured out that hospitality was really, really um, a cool uh, niche okay. uh, and very addictive as well, because once you get the, you know, like you like these beautiful lobbies and the brand, um, the hospitality brand, all the fun working for, you know, like this exquisite um, product then you kind of don't want to work anywhere else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So it was a lot of fun. I, I, I worked there for a year and a half, I think. and. Um, then I started exploring other opportunities and in Abu Dhabi, um, Jumeirah at the Health Towers has a position that was open and I applied and I got a call from them and um, I got offered the job there and uh, as their in-house uh, department because they were getting work done by agencies and they wanted to relieve them and have somebody in-house. And yeah, me and my husband, then we moved there. We went to Abu Dhabi, stayed there. I worked there for three years. It was a beautiful time again. Um, very different from, from back home as well. But sure. again, very strict on brand guidelines. And Jumara brand is, is pretty cool. And, you know, I just loved the concept. And I, I had a lot of fun working there. Uh, but yeah, then had to move back home because of something that happened. And then um, once I came back, I again joined Serena because I didn't want to do anything else except hospitality. Sure. Uh, and then and that brand is beautiful, you know, their concept with CSR, with all the initiatives that they do. So it just felt something that I really wanted to do. Mm. So, yeah, but this time around, I uh, this was 2016. And I because you know, even when you're working in design, you're in, you're in the department, you, you're not working in silo, you get to work on um, like marketing and digital marketing and uh, campaigns. And I always had that bug in me to learn more. Sure. Um, so yeah, I transitioned towards digital marketing. I thought that there was a lot of things that could be done and there wasn't really a specific person who was taking control. So I just stepped up. Again, nobody gave that to me. I just stepped up myself yeah. and I, you know, strategized the social media and did a couple of initiatives in digital marketing and, you know, just try to really sort things out and see what else we could do. And then, um, you know, of course, the management saw that I had an interest in that. And, you know, they, they said, OK, you, why don't you head the digital marketing department? And, yeah, that was pretty cool, um, you know, working there, the whole experience and did everything and anything that you can imagine in a, in a marketing department and even outside. Um, but, yeah, then uh, start of this year, yeah, I moved back to Dubai. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, since then I've been uh, working on my own. I'm uh, consulting with uh, with some clients on digital marketing, on branding. I have my podcast show. There were a couple of other passion projects after COVID that I'm focusing on. So 
yeah, that's pretty much my career story. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing that with us. This yeah. I have so many questions <laughs> on sure so thing. many different points. <laughs> Shoot. Um, so I wanted to come back to the hotel side because yeah. when I was when I was preparing the questions, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, Sunia has experience working in the hospitality sector. Yeah. And the hospitality sector, when you think about it, I was like thinking about hotels. Let's say I'm going to book a hotel. Hmm. Many hotels have good amenities many hotels have nice rooms have nice lobbies have great restaurants right yeah. so there's a lot of common things around and the branding correct me if i'm wrong by the mm. way because you know i yeah. don't but the branding is always like escape luxury beautiful relax you know come to a different world like all that kind of stuff so yeah. how in that kind of industry do you start with like your marketing or your branding to differentiate yourself because it seems very saturated and it all seems quite similar in terms of the things these guys are saying yes. so what would you say I think one of the biggest things, even when I was working in hospitality and I was speaking to my uh, my teammates, one of the things that I always told everybody was, look, never forget that we have to think from the consumer's point of view. And we call them guests. We don't call them clients yeah, as usually, yeah, you know, in, in other industries. So I always used to say, think from a guest perspective. Think that you are booking a hotel. What things are you looking for? Sometimes we... Um, you know, get so engrossed in our campaigns and how something should look like and the colors with it. And mm. but we forget who we are speaking to, the words that we use, the the branding that we use, the colors that we use, the campaign. It should speak to the guest and it should compel them to make an action or to think about it, which is the ultimate goal. Sure. So unless that part is there, these are just campaigns that are just going there and adding up okay yes it looks good at the end of a marketing plan that this is all that you did but is it really making a difference so there should be then calculated ways to really find out exactly how many conversions for let's say from a particular social media campaign or how many visitors are you getting from your website directly from other referral sites so Unless that is done, you really can't calculate. Um, yeah. And there are um, methods to do that. There are methods to do that, yes. Yeah. But yes, your branding is everywhere. Your ban- branding, I think, starts from the, way, the, the moment somebody thinks of your hotel and they type the name. So then it's not just your own website or what images you have. It's all the booking engines. So, you know, the online travel agents and the OTAs, as we normally call them. Okay. Um, unfortunately, this is how the industry is that you need to have a listing with them as well because they are doing so well. Their websites rank in SEO sometimes better than your website. Um, and of course, a lot of people go to them. So uh, hotels do have partnerships with them where yeah. they give their photos and their videos and their content for them to put up so that people, when they type in, you know, they can see. So it's just about maintaining a consistent branding on all of these platforms, on your website, your social media. Every platform should speak the same language. That's the main thing. And then when, um, of course, you have your app these days, social media, these are part of the plan as well. And then when the guest steps in, the moment they walk in the hotel lobby, the way they're greeted by the hostess or you know the, the guest services officer, the way they're escorted, led into their whole journey. Where are they walking? Is somebody offering them a hand towel? You know, all of these little things, et cetera, they really add up to what value the brand holds. Sure. So if somebody yeah. is saying, you know, we're excellence in hospitality or, you know, you really need to make sure that it speaks true at every point of their journey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the most important thing is, I think you made a good point about is the little things yeah. because the majority of them probably do similar things, but it's those little things that will help you stand apart from the other like hotels or from other from your yes. competition, yeah. for example. Yeah. And in terms of the like when you said speak to the customer, 
what what's the message or what was the message for example when you're working at serena what was the like message you were trying to like convey to them what was the like the messaging behind the brand so serena was really interesting and sometimes i find it a bit hard but then again very rewarding when i'm explaining it to someone who hasn't really known the brand which is that they had a very um um how do you say it like philanthropic approach towards okay. their branding yeah. a lot of the things that the hotel did were very different than what i was used to like back when i was in abu dhabi i was working for jumeirah so i was working in an overly saturated market and you know you're you're there when in abu dhabi there are a lot of other hotels as well and you're all trying for um you know to grab people's attention or to sell more and when then i came here i found that things were more on a level where they wanted the the good things that the brand was doing to come across more than about their amenities um and then i found out that the whole concept was linked with the owners which is our con development network and they have this philosophy where they want to promote um the the marginalized communities this is why the most of the hotels are built in places where the communities will eventually benefit okay um i found that so beautiful because I, you don't get to see that a lot true yeah which is why there was really no hardcore marketing where billboards were there or a lot of print advertisements um even a lot of uh, marketing activities that we did and i was always because you know again my experience was such that i was like no let's let's promote the hotel let's promote <laughs> the amenities you yeah, know yeah. let's make campaigns for food and beverage uh but most of the things that we focused on primarily were the initiatives that we did the community initiatives where we partnered up with sports federations to um host events for underprivileged girls from different underprivileged schools or orphan schools uh, you know sort of like really promoting sports and culture yeah um so it's different it for me it was a really different experience because it was at the end of the year hotel brand it wasn't like a public um company mm. but a lot of the things that they did it it touched a lot of lives and it you know uh, for youngsters they promoted a lot of opportunities so then it was our job to have this right balance of promoting the hotel in all of its um, services that we offer but then also really focusing on the csr aspect yeah so yeah always making sure that the balance is you know not <laughs> up and down which was the main deal i guess yeah for sure um i think it's really interesting that there was such a philanthropic side to that because correct uh, i don't know like mm. i haven't i don't i don't know the industry but from my experience it, that that I wouldn't associate something like that with a hotel typically you know those yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff and yeah. the importance of CSR and so on and you said that is one of the things i remember when we were talking that you really loved about the brand yeah, and I that's do. what you you know yeah. made you feel like there was a bigger purpose that was coming i'm like yes we're trying to sell like the hotel but yes. we're also helping people as well so yeah. like it makes you feel good inside so much yeah. yeah i think that's you know i always say that i'm not that person who would go to work and i f- would feel like it's labor I have to love what I do. So sure. before it was okay, I love design. I love design. This is what I love doing. And then when I worked here, I was like, okay, I love all of these stories because every day you would go and there was something beautiful coming out. Um for example, I I quote here there's um one story or the initiative that the hotel took where they um they actually um had bee farming and then okay. uh, you know the communities then benefited um from from that whole process they had jobs because of that and then that honey organic honey from the high altitudes of of the, you know um the karakoram um that honey was then placed in the hotels so it ha- it carried a beautiful mm. story similarly they offered in a very very remote um 
place in the north of Pakistan. They offered uh, classes for women who were uneducated on how to make things, you know, how to sew or uh, how to do embroidery. And then because of those centers that they had, these women were really finding it interesting that, okay, we can contribute to our livelihood. We can be independent from our, you know, because it's a very patriarchal society as well. Sure. So, um, and then they were doing that and they really enjoyed it. And most of the things that they make, you know, then we would use those things in the hotels as well. Yeah. So everything had a story behind it. And yeah. I think that's something that was so beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's a very good point that the story behind everything, because people gravitate to stories. And yeah. that perfectly leads me into my next question that I wanted to ask. Yeah. So before I get to it, there was a, on this, on this part. Yeah. See, like having, I think nowadays, okay, let me ask you this question. How important is it nowadays for a company or a brand to have some form of CSR? Because I feel like over the last few years, a lot of people start buying from brands because, oh, they donate one shirt to this place. They mm. donate food. They invest into education for like whatever it might be. There's, yeah. all, there's a social cause behind it. So how important is that nowadays? Do you think for the long, the next like five to ten years, those are the brands that will actually stand out and be successful because they have the aspect to them? Or is it not so necessary? What would you say? Yeah, I think you're right on that. The storytelling part is really important. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then when there's an element of giving back to the society, because I think as a whole, um, this generation, how especially after pandemic, um, we've seen a lot. So, you know, people are turning back into the basics. They're slowly coming back to the basics, you know. Um, and even with the buying habits, if, if, if brands who they know are conscious of the environment, let's say, or, or the communities, or they're giving back to the world, it means they're socially responsible. Mm. And that, of course, creates um, a, an image which is a soft image. Yeah. And once a brand has a soft image, they, they appear more you know, reliable to you. So it's, it's just the, the whole psychology behind that. So I, I think it's of great importance. Yeah. yeah. So it helps you connect more like, with the brand. Yes, more, yes. You're more invested in it yeah. because you feel like you're also contributing in some way. Absolutely. Like in Jumeirah, we had this uh, whole turtle rehabilitation program. And that was really sweet because, you know, and then for events as well, it's, it's a great opportunity to host events around it, you know, where families are invited and, and your loyal guests are invited. So not only they feel a part of being a family, but they feel, okay, you know, on a business perspective, they feel that they're privileged enough to be invited for that, you know, privileged member only thing. Yeah. Um, but also the whole idea that, you know, like saying no to plastic and then you, you tell your consumers or your guests that, you know, look, our restaurants are plastic free. We're not doing straws. We're not doing plastic cutlery. Um, um, or plastic shopping bags, you know, it's just that these are really important messages, and um, it does it does make a difference in the in the whole persona of a brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one thing about because, like you said, it helps you connect with the brand. You can have like these kind of events, and like it just builds the brand persona. But I also think I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Yeah. Do you think sometimes there are brands out there that say they do that thing, but it doesn't come from an authentic place? And as us as consumers, do you think we can sniff that out? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the first ones to catch that would be the people who are working for them. Because okay. I always believe as an employee, whatever values that your brand has, your company has, whatever initiatives that they have, unless each employee is trained, and understands, you know, they're trained on them, they understand the reasoning behind them, and they truly believe in it. Yeah. Even if they're not guest-facing, let's say, you know, 
it will still come out. Yeah. So unless everybody is, you know, really feeling that as well, they, they're holding true to the values, whatever the brand has the initiative that they suggested, um, people will, of course, know because then it will not be true. Yeah. It, it will not come from your heart, it will not come from your, uh, your employees' hearts. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's just a matter of time before it feels as if it's just some... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I didn't, I didn't, I never considered actually that it's the employees that would actually be the first people to like identify is yes. this actually real or yeah. like are they, you know, is this not true? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I never considered the employee side. I always thought from a consumer's perspective. Yeah. And following up from that, yeah. So it's important to have some kind of social responsibility. Yeah. You can tell if it's inauthentic, mm-hmm. as we've said. Mm-hmm. Do you th- coming back to your hospitality thing now? From my perspective, I think with certain products, let's say clothes, like accessories, something that you can, I don't know, consumables that you can wear, I get that. Hmm. But in the hospitality industry, as a consumer, does that really have an effect? Because at the end of the day, you want, even if this hotel does something like that, that yeah. has all these great initiatives like Serena had, for yeah. example. Yeah you at the end of the day, I think, want the best experience for yourself or the most, most luxurious and stuff. So mm-hmm. does this rule of having a CSR or like some kind of social initiative apply across the board? Or are there some industries and some products or services that at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's great to have and it's very nice for your brand, but yeah. it won't really matter to the consumer? Mm. Yeah, that's a very good question. I think the same way where you can't really calculate whether that CSR had an effect on, let's say, the promotion of your brand or the ultimate sales, when it, and it shouldn't be, because it's not connected to that. This mm. is a corporate social responsibility. It doesn't need to have a profit or an end goal associated with it. You're just giving back. It's the same like when you give something to someone, you just give it and then you forget about it. That's what our religion says as well. Yeah. Um, it's the same way with brands. Um, yes, that depends from consumer to consumer. Again, if there's a threshold of different personalities, yeah. um, we can't really categorize them, but sometimes it's easier to say that, okay, you know, more percentage of people now are caring about, let's say, plastic. Um, right now, for example, the shift that we're seeing, there's a very small percentage of people who actually refuse to accept, you know, to, to dine in a restaurant, let's say, who's, who are giving plastic straws, right? Really? There's a very small percentage. Okay. We don't see much, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. I've never, I mean, we probably will feel bad about it, but we'll still eat there. So it's just like there's varying percentages of people and how strongly they feel about something. Um, So you can't really say, but does it make a difference in their decision when they're booking a hotel, whether Hotel A cares for, let's say, turtles or not? (laughs) I'm not sure, but I, I think not. To okay. be honest with you, yeah. to be honest with you, yeah, I agree, I agree with you there. Realistically speaking, yes. But again, it's great for storytelling, of and course, of course. I think, I think again, the whole sales perspective as well. It's just a whole sales funnel, you know. And there's yeah. various touch points where you change their mind. It's not that one turtle thing might make my decision, but there might be other things that I've heard about them or I know about them where you know it's kind of it makes a soft spot in my heart. Sure. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, no, that makes it, a lot of sense. It's a tough one. Yeah, I don't know exactly. The turtle might be a tough sell by itself. <laughs> <laughs> but I got... You know, the best part was... Um, <laughs> The turtles, uh, we started making these small turtles who were, um, you know, for kids as okay. a something for the rooms. And they were of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So we had to call that back. That decision was, of course, it was, you know, the management was very quick to respond on it. Yeah. And we had to call them back. That, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> but yeah. It kind of goes against like the whole purpose of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, we yeah. made like the soft plush ones. Okay. Yeah. Those, they probably like those yeah. more too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I wanted to come on to now, as we know, COVID has affected every industry but yeah. particularly i think tourism and hotels yes. you know because yeah. less guests less so on yeah. so now as a hotel i have i know there's less guests there's less um potential revenue for me from that side so how do i from a marketing perspective especially now given after covid and everything that's happened i think the marketing aspect becomes so much more important now because yeah. you're you have a smaller group to attract hmm. so what advice would you from your experience working in that industry, would you give like hotels or people in that industry looking to like market during this kind of time? What would you what would you say? I think what is the most imperative and I think a lot of hotels are already doing that because it's like that bandwagon that everybody went on since the day they announced that, you know, okay, hotels are opening up mm. um, is the social distancing uh, rules. Okay. Um, the various uh, initiatives that the hotels are doing to um, to allow social distancing, um, san- proper sanitization. So, you know, there. of course, the first is that you should make that information clear to your guests through social media. Either you do it in a video form because, you know, as 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 uh, consumers or guests it's very important for us to see that process that okay you know the 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 table that i'll be sitting on and accidentally will place my hand on has been sanitized and people yeah. are just going into details now so it's really interesting where you have uh, not only on social media you have these videos where they show you and it's important that you show your guest that um, uh, we have our sanitization after every minute and you know the rooms are sanitized doorknobs etc you show doing them you know yeah. your, your staff so you really kind of like have that um, you know that satisfaction um, plus also what is the percentage in the restaurants of people you know the, will there be queues while you're checking in checking out things like that yeah uh, so just number one would be to re- be really transparent about all of these uh, um, you know measures that you are taking yeah uh, promote them well on your social media on your site online platforms yes but then also at the hotel uh, again, the associates should all be aware of that. Yeah. They should all be practicing these. And again, you know, and most of them are doing it anyway. You know, there's a, there's proper um, markings for where people should stand. You should yeah. avoid, you know, being together, huddling. So just all of that information should be there to guess. So when they're booking, they should be really, um, you know, confident. Yeah. Yeah. So that's from their perspective. But again, if it's... Uh, from the perspective of marketing now to how to be able to be able to do more to be able to sell more there's a lot of interesting things that can be done um i think before the show started we were speaking about this one hotel um, yeah. brand that has um started uh, right after covid they, they they had a very small uh, meeting room and they converted it into a podcasting facility yeah exactly um again with social distancing intact i thought that was a that's it was a wonderful idea so thumbs up to their team you know whoever <laughs> it was behind it so they did it one month free of cost you just have to email them to reserve your spot give your necessary documentations and you come you host your uh, episode and they have all of the equipment there and they just ask nicely you know just give us a shout out and sure. Yeah. And of course, you feel obliged to do that. It's not like they ask you uh, yeah, or they're going to check it, but you feel obliged to do it because you've had a great experience. Yeah. So when yeah. I went there and I recorded one of the episodes, um, I went back and a lot of people asked me, look, which, you know, what was the rate? You know, which hotel was it? How was the experience? And I spoke to a lot of people, again, word of mouth, which in marketing we do learn. 
it always does come back to word of mouth and yeah. you know word of mouth is something that you really believe in i'm more more likely to buy something that some friend is really recommending so it plants that seed in my mind so yeah there could be really exciting ways to to do things now i think yeah. sky's the limit yeah that's true and i think something you mentioned that's very important or that i didn't consider is from the marketing perspective especially now given covid and everything is promoting that safety that yeah cleanliness making guests feel comfortable yeah. to come do those things i've seen some hotels that the out like there's a, like the sticker on the room that says this room has been sanitized and when you open it it like rips yeah you're the, so, you're the seal that you're breaking. yeah exactly yeah. yeah there's a seal and i thought that was a great idea yeah. you know because going into the room you feel like you're like you're the first one yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's clean you know it's been taken care of properly so i think yeah. that's a very good point absolutely and like you said maximizing and looking at more creative ways i guess to yeah. maximize the space that you have is probably the smartest thing to do if like finding another revenue stream with the assets that you have in the yeah. hotel to yeah. offset maybe some of the things that are happening and yeah. lack of guests and so on yeah coming back to the you mentioned that you transitioned from the brand side to the digital side yeah. so what's the difference between the two because i remember when we had coffee the other day you're like they're they're isolated but they kind of work together yeah, but they're yeah. two almost separate departments mm. that need their own kind of focus so combining them is a big job to have all at once yeah so what's the difference between developing the brand strategy and the digital strategy right so for any brand it starts with its its brand identity of course you know it comes anything that you can you know touch and feel and look um the so starts with your logo your color palettes um what are your fonts what are the guidelines for different things your your tone of voice every brand has a tone of voice and it should have a tone of voice if it's a good brand you know what are the words that come to your mind when you think of a brand so how i like to think is is like you know a brand is the same like the personality of a person what clothes are they wearing what words do they speak what language what is their accent you know um and i actually did this exercise with my team members once as well and it was pretty fun <laughs> where we said okay this brand is a person now dress him up so that whole thing you know what that what that person eats or drinks where he hangs out similarly you know so all of these things are like a brand's persona and then their potential guests or their potential clients let's say if it's another uh, if it's not hospitality what are those people who are the consumers for that brand what are their personas you know where mm. do they come from where do they hang out um what are their spending habits all of those things combined is your brand's profile okay i think it's imperative for a brand when they're starting out to really know these things i know it's very common now everybody knows you starting out you know oh i have a brand can you make a logo for me okay these are my colors but there's usually no thoughts i mean of course there are great brands here but sometimes i see that there are no thoughts behind that and when there's no thoughts or research behind a creative process uh you're stuck then with something for a long time where it really doesn't uh, reveal the true identity of your brand okay or something that could have been much more is just limited because now okay these are the colors now we have to stick with them see sure. so that's really important to develop all of these things first before you go towards the digital marketing or the digital strategy so when you're sorry to interrupt you yeah. but so when you're developing a brand it's not about develop like the creative process of developing that brand what it would look like in the colors it's the research on your target market yes. that will influence what the brand should Absolutely. and should look like okay yeah. okay because it's speaking to those people and ultimately if they're your consumers you want it to speak to them because it needs mm. to speak the same language that they speak yeah 
Um, but it's really such an incredible process. I love doing it. So for me, you know, um, okay, so there's this brand. This is what it looks like. These are the logos that are developed. What are the colors? Because, you know, every color has a certain emotion that is invoked when you see it. Sure. So even when we're designing and I'm designing something for online, I, you know, if it's something that I need to invoke calm emotions, you know, peace or serenity, I'll use the colors and fonts that go with it. So there, you know, all of that comes in handy. The, the education part where I actually did study in university, but yeah, again, with training as well, with my experience. So anyway, so with colors and fonts and everything, so you're playing with it now. Um, and then comes your brand tone of voice, let's say. So this, again, it's not digital. Now, there's a big confusion here. Okay. Sometimes, for example, there's a brand and um, if, let's say, it's a given example, it's a small business setup and they have someone, they're like, okay, you know, develop a digital strategy for us. Why don't you manage your social media accounts? Unless you have a strong business, sorry, the branding strategy, which is in place for them, you're doing yourself a favor because you now... Are telling them, look, follow these guidelines, right? Okay. Before they start writing content, they need to know what is the brand's tone of voice. Now, that's a very important thing. I can write in my style the way that Sonia speaks. You can write the way that Khalid speaks. But yeah. what does the brand speak like? Mm. There's actually a lot of research behind this as well. You know, a brand's tone of voice could be poetic, right? Okay. So if I'm a luxury brand, but I'm a luxury, let's say, a skincare brand or a perfume brand, my tone of voice could be poetic, where without being too cliche, I'm because I'm all that luxury, I'm speaking in words where I'm encapsulating their imagination using, mm. you know, words and phrases and poetic sentences. But then again, a brand's tone of voice, if it's a luxury brand like a hotel, um, but I want them to... Um, for me to be appear, you know, friendly and approachable, mm. I need to change the tone of voice. So then in those guides, there are actually words that you tell them, okay, use words like this. So of course, it's not like I can anticipate what exactly the content will be for sure. the future people to write about, yeah. but I can give them guidelines. Then there are some words, don't use these words. Like, for example, some brand would say, don't use the word luxury, even though we are luxury brand, don't, and do's and don'ts. So easy for okay, them to understand, yeah. Do's, the words that you will use are these. Um, so it's important to develop all of that before you start writing content like blog. Because you see, this is the basics. So it's like a structure where it's like, a, I always think of it as a car where you actually having a structure in place. Then you put on the roof and the windows and you add, then you decide the colors. Hmm. Unfortunately, mostly people start with social, oh, manage my social media. Really? Help it's, me with it. Seems it seems to be flipped. Like usually people it's usually is flipped. Okay. So then it's in the hands. One person will help you with it. Would this stick with you for a long time? You never know. Maybe it's project to project. So it's always nice first to have someone develop your brand strategy. Yeah. You have all of your areas covered. You're secured now. So you get your done work by freelancers in the future. You, you give it to agencies. You do it yourself. You know what your brand is. Yeah. And even though you've given birth to this brand, there's some things that need to be developed. So it's like a guideline that has to be in place. So I think that's imperative. That's the first step. Yeah, that's the foundation. And then that translates from there. That's when the digital comes in. So what's the digital strategy entail? Is that, is that just about like the, I guess the content that you're gonna be pushing out and where you're gonna push it? Or is it is there more to a digital strategy than just like a content calendar, for example? Right. So now when it comes to digital marketing, it's just we're in this whole new world that is digital. There yeah. is each and everything there, yeah, right? Yeah. And even that day we spoke about it, how, you know, anybody who wants someone to work for them or to, um, you know, help promote their brand, there's 
unrealistic expectations often at times because they want, oh, I want each and everything. No, what does your brand need? Where is your consumer, right? Mm. And start with the basics. So once you have that branding in place, now comes your digital part. Um, so it involves everything. Of course, it, if, you're, if you're a brand and if you're selling online, it needs to start with your website. Your website needs to be there. So there should be someone who's managing it. There needs to be proper updating of your products, uh, managing them. The website should be easy to navigate. The whole process of payments, et cetera, somebody's taking care of that. Um, again, it's not just that day and age where you can put up a website and you can just sit back and relax. There has to be SEO in place so that your website ranks better in Google. Yeah. And for that, you have social media referrals. You have third-party content links with that. You write blogs as well. Um, and of course, you work on the SEO. Uh, then your social media channels, it's just taken the whole world by storm because, again, it seems approachable. This is where you go for a brand's you know, human-like personality. Yeah. Yeah, you want to yeah. see more... Um, it you know human-like friendly content and you want to understand a brand more you check out their social media pages what they're all about what they care about what they're saying every day so you should be present there um, again you know the whole digital strategy needs to be in place then you develop a content calendar decide which platforms you want to be on where your consumers are so it's just a whole level of it there's email marketing yeah um, it's just that Algorithms keep on changing, like, you know, for, for email marketing as well, for example, how Google has, you know, Gmail has categorized your um, important and um, the the promotions and the brand messages. There's yeah. a separate. So yeah, like a separate tab for it. Separate yeah, yeah. tab. So, you know, they're making it so hard for brands to reach people because, you know, things will automatically land up there and I never check it. Yeah, never. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, that's true. Similarly with Instagram, Facebook, the algorithms keep on changing where they're because people complain and ultimately they want it to be a people's platform, you know. So they're pushing for brands content to be displayed less compared to people's organic content more unless it is engaged with more. So there's so many things that you need to do. You need to like com and comment. And now on Instagram, I was reading even save posts for Instagram to be able to show your post more to people in the newsfeed, even though you're following them. Yeah. Really? Yes. That's interesting. So it just keeps on changing. And the algorithm works in a way where you really need to work harder with respect to content and everything that yeah. it shows in the newsfeed. But the most important thing, again, yes, paid search is there. Sponsored posts are there. People want to invest money to have more followers. At the end of the day, if you don't have anything important to say, you're going to lose out. Even yeah. if you have a lot of followers, but you don't have a message that you have to say, you don't yeah. have a strategy in place because you didn't really think about it beforehand, you're going to ultimately lose out. How many product pictures can you post? Yeah, People will true. not be interested. Yeah. So in order to grab their attention, that whole personality of the brand when it was done at the branding stage, things that my brand cares about, things that my brand wants to speak about, then comes the digital strategy. So then I'll sit and I'll say, okay, so my content calendar will be based on these principles that my brand cares about. So, you know, it has to be information about my product. Mm -hmm. It has to be, for example, if I'm a skincare brand, it has to be informational posts as well about skincare, different types of uh, skincare or information that I'm giving them, which is authentic. It's actually adding value. But again, my brand is being promoted in a subtle way. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you partner up with the right influencers who are actually genuinely liking your product. So there's different things. But... Um, it, there has to be thinking and thought behind every process. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more to it than just, you know, like like you said, I think you made a very good point about 
you can have a lot of followers, but followers, sorry, but what's yeah. the long the longevity of this com- this product, this business, this so on? And I think the difference between what make the successful ones are the ones that have followers, but you feel that you're part of a community in that following. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. We yeah. all, everyone here, we all support this cause or this brand for this reason. You know, yes. it's not just oh, I like this product and yeah. that's it. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. That I didn't consider before that there has to be. A clear message behind it and it all like you said starts with the branding yeah i wanted to just come on to back on to email marketing for a second yes. because yeah. okay so my friend actually gave me advice she's like Khaled, like now moving forward with like mm. your business and so on you need to have email marketing okay and first pers- i don't just dis- and it's not not that i disagree with her but i'm just thinking okay i'm subscribed to some email like email subscriptions but i'm like i barely almost never read them you know what I mean? I feel that email marketing is useful because I think you get, you can get a lot of data from that and you get like subscribers and if you have a blog, you can keep sending out things. But I feel nowadays there's probably a better way to do that. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, because even me being on the other side of an email marketing thing, I don't even use it. So what would you say? Do you think it's still crucial to have that part, like an email marketing part? Or is there another way maybe to go about that? I think when it comes to... The fact that you want a database of people. Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. loyal people who are interested in your brand, whether they have shopped with you, whether they had thought to shop with you, you need to have their emails with you. And that's consistently making sure that they're loyal then, right? Okay. Um, consistently receiving emails from a particular brand. Off and on, I open it. Sometimes I don't. But even with subject lines, I know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure. So... By the way, it's very tricky now, you know, about with the GDPR policy intact. The yeah, and in, in, uh, in Europe, it's very, very difficult. Even you here, can't. everywhere, world the, over. GDPR, the GDPR is world over. Really? Yeah, I thought so, it was just Europe. N- so if I haven't really subscribed to receiving information from a brand and I still receive it, I can actually sue them. This is pretty serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. I know they take it very seriously over there. I don't know it was it had transferred over to here as well. I I, no I'm, I'm sure it's global. Okay. I'm sure it's global. Okay. I, I need to check up on that. But... Um, Again, that really tells you that it's it's not so simple where you can just, you know, if you have an email of someone, you can just Blast take it. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of uh, black market things that happen where people take emails off of uh, service providers and mm. use it, but it's wrong, right? So the person is never anyway going to be interested in it. But yeah, back to what your friend was suggesting. I think um, if it's done in a way of where it's storytelling, where mm. I see the right subject, but it's something that speaks to me and I'm at that point of time in my life where I will be interested in something like that. I'll give an example. Sure. So there's a particular writer that I was actually following. Okay. Um, and his main niche is that, you know, I'll help you be a writer. If you've ever thought about writing a book in the minutest corner of your mind, he's going to help you make the uh, decision that you'll ultimately sit and do it. Right? Okay. That's the message that comes across when you say his website. So... I thought, okay, pretty cool. And he's like, you know, usually what it is, you know, I'll give you this free webinar. Why don't you enter your emails? And I thought, okay, let's see what it's all about. Sure. So I usually unsubscribe after, you know, guilty, after reading that first uh, <laughs> free freebie. <laughs> but then how he approached things was very different. So what started happening, I noticed that there was a theme to the way I was receiving emails. So the first email that I received from is, hey, Sanya, here's a story that I'd like to tell you from the day that I was in XYZ place and, you know, I was in a conference. And even with the subject, I was intrigued to actually open it and read it. And there was no jazz there. There's nothing about him. He was just telling a story and I was interested. And he broke that story down into like 
different pieces that actually told me, okay, this was his journey. He never knew that he could be a writer. He was a corporate guy. So it resonated with me because I was mm. in the same place in my life where I have some things to share and I was thinking about it, but I thought I'm not a writer, right? Sure, sure. But then it, it really made me interested to keep on reading more. So I didn't unsubscribe. So whenever okay. his newsletters come, I, I sometimes do open them and I read them because I feel as if he's speaking to me. So yeah. The language that he uses, the visuals, it's not too much. Again, you're right. It's very hard in email marketing. Yeah. Considering we have such little time, we are so impatient now. As the end user, we don't really want to read anything that we don't need. Um, so it, as brand, it's becoming increasingly difficult. But again, if you're selling something and let's say there was a person who went to your website and they went and selected your product, added it to a cart and then abandoned it because in online shopping, that's what it is. If you go to a real store, you know, we go there, we buy something and we get out. Yeah. But <laughs> online, it's so hard because people go there and then they get distracted. Oh, let me just play my ninja fruits. Oh, let me just see. <laughs> oh, this person is responding. So that process actually takes sometimes even five, six days yeah, yeah, true. of buying. And we do that. Yeah, 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 for sure. So those abandoned carts actually is a big issue. So what you can do is then you can use your database because it tells you, okay, look, this person, you know, this person has abandoned cart. This is their email. Mm. You can actually give them an offer. You know, why don't you, uh, you know, yeah. finish your shopping, you know, and get this. This is a limited time offer. You know, you can get this thing with it. You know, something like that. Yeah. So in those cases, it's actually smart because it's directly linked with your website. You have a way of know what, knowing what your conversions are. So I think there's just different elements to it. But on a whole, I think it's just becoming hard for your for your brand message to go across unless there is an absolutely fantastic story to story. it yeah. your your brand's persona is coming out people will be genuinely interested yeah like i think and you've said that a couple of times today i think that's the bedrock of all this like marketing stuff yeah. whether branding digital whatever it might be it's the story at the end of the day a compelling story that's going to resonate with people in your target market yeah. whatever that might be so the struggle i guess the main thing there's i think everything else comes to be more op operational and just optimizing and tweaking things but the story has to be the bedrock that everything yeah, kind of falls absolutely. behind okay yeah and that's very interesting see huda you know this she's she's doing so well huda uh, from the huda beauty brand yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and we all follow her we love her makeup and no, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. and you've seen as a brand how involved she is with the whole process it doesn't seem like i'm using a huda product you know i I look at her eye shades and I think about her and how she was putting it on in one of the tutorial videos and she's so raw and so organic and so herself. And if you notice the brand tone of voice that Huda uses, now she's a big brand. Yeah. But all of her posts on social media come from a way where you think Huda is talking to you. She uses I, mm. my beauties, my lovelies, right? Yeah. So she's speaking to the girls, she's speaking to the women. And it's like, of course, Huda's not sitting and typing every single post. Of course. But that's her brand's tone of voice where she's friendly it yeah. is from her and it is from her to me. Exactly, yeah. So you feel like you have that connection with her. Like, yeah. Uh, like almost like a friend's talking to you yeah. about this, like maybe use this, you know, try yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a very good point. I didn't consider that. And on her brand, she's actually, I was looking at it the other day for a case study um, that on her Instagram profile, she started like this and she's still being true to it where she reposts stories of other influencers and videos and she posts it in her grid. Mm you know, still does it. So that's just because, so it's not just that I'm following Huda and I'll only see her products, but I'll see beauty tutorials from other people as well. Yeah, yeah. So you just, it's creating kind of this ecosystem that all roads kind of come back to you. Keep you engaged. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> keep you engaged. 
And like, thank God I just remembered my the, the question I wanted to ask. So, yeah. you know how <laughs> I have a friend that works, uh, Cameron, which works at one of the big brands, and I was telling her about, you know, sometimes like me and you will be sitting having a conversation. Yeah. We're talking about shoes trainers. Okay. Yeah. I can I'll literally open my phone and I'm just gonna get bombarded with like trainer ads. So we're always like, they're listening, you know, and I don't know how <laughs> yeah. that works. Or like on Facebook, if I go on an ad somewhere, yeah. I, I know I've learned that I've become more aware of it now. I'm like, if I click this here, my Instagram tomorrow is just going to be filled with like, I don't know, food yeah. things, for example. Yeah. So how does all that work? How are you listening to everything I'm saying? I'll give you, I'll give you first an unorthodox answer to that. Okay. I'm okay. reading the book, The Law of Attraction, The Secret. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've put off reading it for such a long time because sometimes you know my thing is when something becomes too cliche I'm like okay I, I stay away from it but I yeah. recently gave in and I've started reading it again well they believe that anything that you are thinking about it's quantum physics so you're giving way to that thing and thoughts are becoming action and ultimately but of course that's not what it happens okay over here what's happening is when you're online it makes sense because it uses cookies so if your cookies are enabled of course they're going to keep a track you know yeah. Online is very simple. If you type in anything on Facebook, if you click on something and God forbid, if you would write on Google. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God forbid, yeah. you know. That's true. But the thing about speech recognition, yeah, it's still debatable. But yes, a lot of people are. It happens all yeah, the time. Yeah, I know. I know. It's still debatable. I don't, I don't know what happens, but it's everybody saying that, you know, you're being listened to and I'm sure we will be. I'm sure there's so many things that we don't know about. Yeah. It's same like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he has a tape on his... On his thing, yeah. On his thing, on, his webcam. on a cam webcam. So if, if everything was so crystal clear, then why that? Yeah. I'm sure something happens, um, but it does, it, it's happened to me a couple of times. Yeah, well. right. And it's, 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 it's so, I've gotten used to it now, but it's still, I'm still trying to understand like how I didn't type anything. I didn't search anything. Yeah. I'm just speaking to a friend about this. Yeah. So how did you know so that that happened? But I guess you're listening. Yeah. You know, at least send me some stuff, some good stuff, <laughs> like if you're going to do that. Um, I wanted to, for the, to wrap up the whole uh, marketing aspect of yeah. our conversation. What do you think in your experience, or what do you find more, more challenging? Is it, Developing the digital strategy or is it the social media aspect, managing the social media? Because I think even learning from like going through this whole experience and like building the podcast and then building a, uh, trying to build the brand behind it. I can remember my website. I just built it myself because yeah. I'm like, I didn't want to pay anyone to do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. I wish I did pay someone because it was a big headache and I didn't need to go through it, but we learned. So it's fine. Yeah. But when we were do when we were working on the rebrand, we like, we looked at the website and my friend was telling me, like, how does this make you feel? I'm like, what do you mean? Hmm. Like, I never, all these little things that you talked about today, like the font, the colors, the that, like all this, I never knew, maybe subconsciously these things were affecting me, but yeah. I, I was never aware that all these little, little things play into creating this whole thing. And from a social media aspect, I think, like, do you know Gary Vee? Gary Vee, exactly. So he is, this guy is, in my opinion, he's the content marketing king. Like, it's unbelievable. And he speaks to our generation. Yeah, he, he really does. And everything he says, like, I've almost every video he posts, I'm like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I believe that. <laughs> but so his thing has always been about consistency. And he's active everywhere on, like, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere he's yeah. there. And I'm like... How do you like it must be so like difficult to man that's why I think the social media I'm asking you because the social media management side to be good at it and to be very active on it 
is almost a job in itself. Yeah. So what do you find more challenging? Is the digital strategy behind it or actually managing that social media? I think each one of them, if you talk about it, they offer their own challenges. Um, but I feel the more work, what I would think is the strategy. Because, the strategy. yeah, once okay. the strategy is in place, it's about coming up with content, you know, um, and you can pre-do it. There's so many scheduling uh, softwares these days. There's so much that you can say once you know what to say. But then ah, once okay. you don't know what you're really going to come up with because you don't know what the brand is all about except for their products, you know, it's, it's, then that becomes hard. So okay. I think the main work is, is developing the backbone, is the really backbone. making sure that structure is, is, is there, is, is in place. Yeah, okay. Actually, no, that makes, that makes yeah. a lot of sense now. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've struggled with it for so long because I'm like, I'm on the fly. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't know. I need to post, but like, I don't know what to post. And then like, it's a bit... It's a bit Which is why you must find it hard because, you know, we're... Um, sort of doing the same thing and when it becomes your personal brand yeah you know so yeah. similarly it was for me when I was working with brands it was so easy because you know I loved it I knew what the brand's philosophies were and then I'm taking it forward from there of course in a lot of ways I helped create those strategies as well but at least there was something that was there mm. when I was on my own I was like a headless chicken I'm like who am I <laughs> what 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 is my brand sure. okay sure. what am I telling people yeah that is so hard and we don't realize that personal branding is a very hard thing. And then promoting yourself, there's all of those elements that come into place because you're so vulnerable and it's your personality. Yeah. What should people know about you? What should they <laughs> yeah. not know about you? What things do you value or care about to speak about? Yeah. Um, and how do you then translate it into your visuals and yeah, everything? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like learning about personal branding and how to sell and promote yourself has been probably... The biggest learning curve and biggest challenge i'm still learning and like trying to do it better but that i think has been one of the biggest things with the podcast and like the coaching that's coming and all that kind of stuff yeah. but yeah it's challenging it's but challenging. you're doing so well i i really uh, I appreciate try. The, we try. yeah Thank you. the logo is really good you know you see there's a science behind it you see it yeah i had some awesome an awesome team that helped me out with that the logo yeah yeah shout out to <laughs> the sense studio guys um yeah the logo actually took a while that yeah. was the thing everything else kind of fell into place a lot easier but now it's now i'm at a point that i have all the branding yeah all the content i'm just like what do i use when you know should i use this picture here mm. with what what con what content goes with this picture with yeah. that thing you know so i'm still trying to figure that out and like learn but mm. you know i think in time we'll just you know we'll, we'll get better with that makes sense um the last thing i wanted to ask sorry about the marketing i forgot about it was what do you think about tiktok what do you think about? Because okay. from the research I've looked at, TikTok, everyone, coming back to Gary, even himself, he's like, this is gonna outperf This is the future of like that kind of like content and like branding and marketing. So many businesses now are on yes. it. So yeah. what do you think about TikTok? Do you think it's now the time to get into it, or there's still more to come? I think sometimes when there's a cult of something and, you know, there's a cult rejecting it, it it's I don't really believe in it. So, okay. you know, for me, I'll be sitting in the, with a bunch of professionals in a, in a room discussing marketing and you talk about TikTok. They're like, oh, come on. Like our brand is not all about that. No. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're saying that, you know, you're going to regret it because that's where majority sorry, that's of the people are. Um, and. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you're a brand, you're going to go ahead and you're going to make these crazy videos. And no, you just be on those platforms as a brand. And then you come up with creative ways to promote yourself on TikTok because the, the audience is already there. But do things that you care about and do them different. Yeah. Um, I think if, if, if your consumers are there, if your audience is there, then definitely be on it. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, this as well, that 
it also comes back to the mindset that as consumers of content, we're becoming like this, that it's coming to this, that, you know, we're just sometimes like mindless things, right? Yeah, exactly. And we enjoy watching mindless things. We do. Um, so as marketeers, it's our job because unfortunately it's now the, the, the real, um, part of, you know, the marketing psychology, but this is how we learn. We have to get your attention. Yeah. So if you're a person who's mindlessly watching content and they are trying to consume things that interest them, then we need to cater our content in such a way that it speaks to them. Exactly. They're not going to sit and read if they're that sort. They will, uh, yeah. you know, whole texts and, you know, static images. Yeah. Probably they would like that, you know, some person to be telling it to them in a fun TikTok-y way. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> you true. Know? That's true. So I, I know I've seen some brands that actually on tiktok now and it's just nice to see how they're sending messages across using that it's just a new new realm i think yeah exactly it's a brand new way and it's like you said tiktok is you can go down the rabbit hole for sure i've been down many times you start with like one video and then you just keep scrolling because it's just endless content yeah but there's such a i think it's more probably out of all the platforms it's the most engaging yeah you know because they're short it's a video like maximum i think it's a minute maybe yeah. maybe longer but like and it's casual and fun. Exactly. You see, Khalid, yeah. after this whole COVID, what's something that I've seen a big change yeah. is that I think people just want to be more real now, right? Mm. For me, even the whole, I, I wanted to change my LinkedIn picture as well. I haven't gotten around to doing it because I just think that no longer defines me. Although I find it really hard still to to dress down because I've been so <laughs> uh, used to wearing business suits and yeah. being in that whole corporate image. But sure. now I'm on, on my own. And I think after COVID, I... I went through that time as well where I realized that, you know, we just want unrefined and, you know, normal, real versions yeah. of ourselves. Yeah. Never before would we imagine that, you know, we'd be speaking to our uh, senior colleagues on Zoom chats and we'd see their kids in the background. Yeah, but yeah. You're, you're seeing that empathetic uh, touch to relationships that were there before, but you, you just got to see the real people more, I think, after mm. this whole thing. Yeah. And um, TikTok is all about that. It's just very casual. It's very raw. And that's what people want now. Yeah. And again, there's another thing that we spoke about that day of voyeurism and how, you yeah. know, we as individuals, we do prefer seeing the backside of things, you know, the the real deal, how things go. Yeah. Everyone's more interested now. I'm not interested in the, like, okay, the success story is great. Yeah. But I want to know how you got there. I want to know about the sleepless nights Absolutely. you had. I want to know about how you had like a few dollars and then you turned it all around. You know, yeah. that is where we, I guess, get our biggest lessons and learn from because success is success. But learning from the failures that people had to get to that success, I think that's yeah. what people are a lot more interested in now. True. And I think you made a very good point about the empathy that has come out as a result of this whole thing. And honestly, that's when TikTok kind of blew up. Mm. At least, at, my, at least, if I'm not mistaken, here it was during COVID. Like yeah. that's when I got on it. That's what ev like all my friends got on it. And yeah. like now it's like huge. Not like, for kids anymore, right? No, it's yeah. not. Everyone I used to think. Everyone used to think, yeah, it's kids dancing. Okay, yes, a lot of it is that. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie here. It is. But now there's so many people yeah. on actors and movie and uh, news stations. Like even NBC has a channel. I was like, what are you guys doing on TikTok? <laughs> but that's yeah. that's the reality of it now. You it's know, so just getting in this new world. No, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to come on to the podcast briefly. Yeah. So guys, she has a podcast called the Coffee Banter Podcast. And I love the name because she loves coffee and long conversations, which is what this is. And we both had coffee already. <laughs> so why don't you just give everyone just a little bit of background about why you start the podcast and what are you trying to achieve with it? 
for yourself? Right. So I think the podcast came to life in the co- after COVID times. Yeah. Um, I've always been one person who's uh, been a fan of good conversations, but then I went through some troubling times in my life where it actually dawned on me how important it was to to have conversations that matter how important it was to speak to someone and to be able to speak to someone, to have that receptive person who's listening to you and how much of an impact it can make in your life. Sure. Um, and I, of course, I wasn't meeting much people. We weren't traveling. And I just th- thought, you know, I'll just set this up and I'll speak about things that matter to me. I'll speak to people who would have uh, different views on things or doing things differently. And basically just talking about, you know, the 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 common questions that are surround our lives you know are sometimes existential crises that we go through for sure um and yeah and i do like coffee and you know <laughs> i was like okay what what name do i want to have and again it's just something raw and it just came up to my mind and i said let's go with it i wanted to to beat this whole perfectionism bug that i had and mm-hmm. you know really so i think this was one of the first few names that came into my mind I developed the artwork quickly by myself and I and I uh, registered myself on a free site and I said let's do it because if I keep on thinking about it I know myself I'll delay it because it'll never be perfect yeah and that's what covid has taught me you know life anyway is too short um and it's it's fine to be imperfect but yeah. just be out there do something that you want I'm so proud of it the fact that I was able to do it yeah of course um and it's fine if it's not perfect but it's it's mine yeah exactly no I think that's such a good point that because I have sub- was experiencing the same things that you went through at the beginning as well um and it took me for example a year to get this like up and running so like you said just got delayed 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 yeah. then I'm like I just need to start and I tried to be perfect at the beginning and I think what you said is so true about I think the imperfection that comes with it yeah. is what people like. Yeah. It's not about not it's not that but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do your best, do a good job, you know, have good quality content and mm. like everything that goes with it, but there's going to be like if there's some imperfections along the way, it's fine. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day like in the po- in the recording itself it's people having a conversation, you know. True. So it's like two friends sitting down having a conversation. This is what it would sound like. This is how we would speak. Mm. It's not very corporate like yeah. professional, you know. <laughs> and that's what people like. Yeah. And it's so important at least like you said to just start hmm. start and figure it out as you go along you know during this time so many people have reached out to me and they're like i want to start a podcast what equipment do i need i didn't da, 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 da. and like these are the basics that you need but just like trust me just start and like you'll figure it out like yeah. as time goes on honestly like if i look at episode one and now this is episode 36 it's night and day <laughs> <laughs> it's night and, and day. you learn so much that's yeah, the, i course. love learning new things i love finding ways to do things differently yeah. and I, I get very excited like a child you know like yeah, oh my yeah. god like oh my god I was able to do this exactly so um, I think it's just amazing and uh, again with conversations I think it's just important to have that um, that raw aspect of you unfiltered and you know which I like about podcasts yeah they're long forms so mm. maybe I can pretend like let's say for a few minutes while I come and I speak to you but ultimately it's a 40-50 minutes episode I'm going to be myself yeah that's why I like it and I started listening to podcasts at a very again you know a strange time in my life where I wanted to hear other people on things that were similar to what I was going through to see what they had to say but I've never been that person who can get glued onto a screen and then I was working mm. as well. So what I used to do was I had a long drive to my work. Sometimes it used to take an hour. Perfect. So I would put up my podcast and I would actually listen to on my way there and back. And even most of the TED Talks, I'll be honest with you, I cannot do YouTube because I, I don't like sitting in front of something and watching it. 
again, I'm a marketeer. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to consume content, but myself, yeah, it's the truth. I'm consciously consuming. I'm very conscious of it, okay. um, of what I'm consuming because I know the mechanics behind it because I know it does affect me in a certain way. So. I consumed all of this amazing content because of podcasts. I didn't have to be glued on. I like the fact that you can multitask. So I was doing other things in my house and listening to it on my speakers. So it really helped me. Yeah. Um, and I felt as if I was actually a part of someone's conversation for, for a good number of time. You know, you yeah. sort of like develop an affiliation to them as 100%. well. And uh, I have some shows that I liked. And yeah, that's what you know, pushed me to do it as well. So my audience is um, half of them mostly are from Pakistan, mm -hmm. mostly friends and family at this point, of course. We also I'm, I'm no big, <laughs> but then um, some people are here from the UAE. Yeah. And then tits and bits from here. But exactly. yeah, primarily UAE region and then back home. Yeah, for sure. Um, on the like followers part, what I've learned in my experience is for me at the end of the day, like I want, I just want to have a good conversation. Yeah. That's the key. Mm. And if I can, and I always like the, what I've learned from my guests, this is priceless. Absolutely. The amount of things I learned about so many industries that yeah. I knew nothing about, like therapy, doctors, but I'm like, okay, I had no idea. Like this is the, va the value I've gotten is priceless. Yeah. Do, do you want more followers? You want more of course. But I mm. think if you just, at least my belief is I, I can continue just being consistent, having these amazing conversations yeah. with very interesting people like yourself. There's a tipping point mm. that will come with time. They always say, like, when I look, think about people like Joe Rogan, for example. Mm. Yes, he's huge. He's number one podcast in the world. But he's been doing this for 13 years. Absolutely. I've been doing this for eight months. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a long way to, like, if you want to get to this, a level like that. There's a long way to go. So, yeah. you know, we're just at the beginning. Even though it feels like it's been a long time, we're just at the beginning of it. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to come on to, because we spoke the other day about a bit more personal, a bit more of a personal topic. And I think this is a very relevant topic that a lot of people will relate to because we all go through this at some point. Even yeah. us recently, we had, you know, a loss in the family. Yeah. So we've been, you know, going through our own process. But yeah. for, for the people who don't know, and we're going to get a little raw here, but it's okay. Tell us about what happened a few years ago with your husband and that whole process of grief and everything that came with it. Yeah, I think <clears throat> what I really am today and whatever my beliefs are, I think that had a lot to do with it of how it shaped me as a person. But yes, I I suffered tremendous loss in my early life and it was in um, um, April 2016. We were living in Abu Dhabi and we were living and working there. We had a new baby. So life was great. And um, yeah, but then um, he suffered um, an accident and he lost his life. And for me, I think that was it. You know, I felt as if my world has ended. Um, it did momentarily. And it was a very dark, dark phase of my life. But a very weird one as well, where I learned so much from it much later on. But at that time, when that happened, I just felt as if everything stopped. And I remember categorically, you know, just a few days after that happened, I would... I would look at the sun rising and the night falling and I would actually feel bad about it. Like how dare things in the universe are going as per their routine when mine has just literally stopped. Mm. And then um, it took a very long time for me to come to my senses and to regain control of my life. But yes, having my daughter was the biggest blessing. Because once you have a kid, you have to get up in the morning. Yeah. You have to be on your feet. You have to 
do things and routine always helps with that yeah. because once you go through an experience like that you know um unless you have a structure in your day it's just very hard to yeah. keep carrying on so yeah i went back home my parents immediately called me back they said there's no way you're staying there by yourself you need to come back i went home and i stayed with my parents for the next three years then and during that time um one thing that i did you know i've always been an overachiever and always uh, the sort of kid who doesn't cry in front of their parents you know who's always having that perf- perfect image outside and i'm so calm and composed and, and i've always been like that pretty composed and all of my friends as well you know the mature one so i think what i did was i didn't allow myself to grieve in the way that i should have so i just had put up this whole persona that you know everything is okay like i'm doing fine and anyway for the first few months i was in shock even for the first few days when i heard the news yeah and it's very strange but i couldn't cry mm and from the culture that i come from right these things are very important if there's people who are coming in the house to con- offer their condolences you know a lot of responsibility around these things in our society falls on the women okay and sometimes we're blamed on things that we're not even supposed to be blamed on so a lot of people didn't understand the reason of what i was going through that i was in shock because you know like it was something that was so big and this is not something you predict you know if somebody's not feeling well and then they pass away or they've been sick for a few few days when someone instantly goes from your life it's the kind like, of loss which yeah. yeah so your brain is unable to comprehend i didn't believe it mm. and i was in shock so my tears weren't coming up and yeah. for the first few days khalid i was like normal i was sleeping i was sleeping on time because i was not myself mm. and then there were some people who didn't really see that it was it was okay whatever it was because it was my grief journey it it must be different you know i would have loved to to be flat on the floor and cry and wail because that's what i was feeling from inside yeah but i just from the surface i don't even know i, I think i had no emotions on me and people would come for condolences they would look at me and they they'd say things and you know that is she okay you know like even to the point we're thinking if i cared for him enough oh wow yeah but anyway um i think i was and i am alhamdulillah so blessed because i have the best family in the world i know everybody says it but this is like these are beautiful bonds and the most amazing part of our culture is that you know since we grew up so um strong and close together i was just imagining if something like that happened to someone who didn't have that support then that person would really feel i was like so cushioned you know they mm. called me back they i had an amazing support system and yeah for the next 3 years they helped me i was living with them and then i started work i think as soon as my idda was over um after the four months mm-hmm. period i started work again and i just really involved myself at work i really um uh, that was my time period and i was working with the hotel brand and i enjoyed working and i was doing okay i think after the first year started being okay and i worked a lot on myself again i I didn't have professional help it's something that I okay. wish that I had yeah okay but I try to seek for it but the only places that I could because you know it's not very common from for young spouses to lose a spouse true yeah so I tried looking for people because I really at that time apart from my family see I'm that person who you know I can't really share a lot of 
these I mean it's something that will break my mom like if I sit with her and I tell her how I'm really feeling like it would break her mm. so I put up this face in front of them that everything is okay but to protect her to protect them mm. um, and I didn't talk about those things you know and I just trained myself so hard to not cry to be okay and everything and to keep on going with life uh, that I denied myself that that pain that I had to go through yeah so um, anyway so um, that happened and um after that three years went by and then i wasn't even thinking about getting married again it was the last thing on my mind because i had my daughter and my whole world revolves around her and uh but yeah i i remember somebody introduced us and you know i i met someone started speaking basically and the first few things that i got to know about him you know he seemed like such a gentle person and um I said okay let's let's try to speak to him and everything and you know I think he was god sent because he understood my situation and he accepted me with everything and um yeah we got married at the start of this year that's when I moved back so I'm here now my daughter's here now and we have a whole blended family it's a whole new experience yeah sure so yeah but the part that i was thinking about where i didn't allow myself to grieve now what happened like as soon as i shifted here i wasn't working um and i wanted to but then covid happened so i was at home and my daughter was there as well but now was the time when i didn't have work as a facade in front of me to avoid me to think about things mm. and i hit rock bottom mm. and i went through a very bad phase where i actually felt as if it was my grief stage number 1 so you know how scientists they like to talk about how there's different stages, the stages of grief yeah. and you go through them denial acceptance and da 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 it didn't happen like that it didn't go from 1 to to 6 maybe so i was basically at stage 1 or 2 and i thought about it and then i actually gave myself permission to feel all of those things and it was so important and i had been running away but now you know my husband was at work my daughter was at school and i I was just with myself and I gave myself permission that it's okay to cry it's okay to yeah. think about him it's okay to question because you do that, those kind of things you I'm know sure. it's okay to question your faith it's okay to question whatever happened and slowly slowly I think you know I I was okay yeah so with grief you know this is what I when I, when I'm speaking to someone as well who who has gone through a similar experience and you know who who asks for help is this that it's different for everyone yeah and it's something that will live with you your whole life that's true yeah, yeah. um i don't like the word moving on you know even though i'm married now you know if somebody says oh so it's it's nice that you're moving on i'm not moving on i'm moving forward right that part of me is still there because that person existed that person was real the memories i had the experiences i had the good and the bad and the ugly that was a part of my life and it would be a lie if i just ignore all of that and i cannot move on i i accept all of that mm-hmm. and i move on now with grace knowing that it happened and i will never understand why it happened because th- it doesn't make sense yeah and that's okay that's okay um i think it also of course offered me the perspective into this bigger question and i think that's a lot of reason why it, this whole existential crisis debates that i do that come from is because I did go through that point where I started thinking about why are we here on this earth what's our purpose yeah where are we going where do souls go when they die I I started reading up on I went I went cuckoo <laughs> right to the point and I'll share with you here that I actually went into that direction where I started 
talking to mediums, you know, where they're spirit mediums and sure. then they can they claim that they can help you speak to the person on the other side. I had to do all of that. I had to go through that process in order to be where I am today. Yeah. I, I don't believe in that anymore. I don't think it's possible that you can do it because whatever they supposedly they were telling me, it didn't sound right. Mm. So I, it's okay. There might be ways that they might know about my past and everything, but it didn't resonate with me. So sure. I don't know. Maybe it's true. Yeah. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I learned from this is that I don't know. There are a lot of things, I think, even about our universe that our brains, our human brains, our human minds, our, our capabilities to to make sense of things. It's just maybe a small percentage because that's what we're making use of. That's what we're sending this earth to do. Yeah. And what we're capable of, what we don't know is limitless. Limitless, yeah. So I don't know, but I know this for a fact that there's, I know that there's God. I, I, my belief on Allah is just so strong now. And I know that there's a process. And I know that somebody who's gone from here has passed over to another realm where they wait for the final day. Yeah. And um, and I don't know when, when we're reunited as souls, what will happen. Because, you know, according to our religion as well, there will be no relationships. There will be no husband and wife. There will be no brother and sister because we're souls. And we carry our own identity. So it's just a very short, very short while here on this earth. Yeah. And I think because of that, the kind of person that I've become now is that I'm just so full of love. I I am not scared to show it, but like <laughs> I just really value my relationships and sure. I'm just so afraid if I'm suffocating people at times. <laughs> my friends, my family, my daughter, you know, like I'll wake up 10 times during the night and I'll go and I'll hug her and I'll give her a kiss, you know. Um, so yeah, that's just how it's made me as a person. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. For for a long time, I think, um, even with my podcast, I've never spoken about it. And I remember that we discussed this yeah. over coffee the other day. And I just felt as if it would be, um, again, not honest of me to be hiding such a big thing about me and to be not... I mean, of course, I have to be okay to speak about of it. Of course, of course. I would never speak about it if I wasn't okay with it. But yeah. I just thought that it's all right, you know? Yeah. I think that's where I come from and I have to be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I want to say I'm honored that you chose me to, to share this with mm. and I don't take it lightly and to go through what you went through, I can't imagine how difficult that must have been to lose a spouse, like you said, at such a young age yeah. and you have a baby together yeah. and so on and to go through that grieving process, I think like even in our, like even us over the last year in our yeah. family, we've lost a lot of people quite a few people and me and my dad were actually talking about it the other day he's like we haven't had time to grieve because it's been like one big loss after another and yeah. then like life goes on and then covid came and then <clears throat> you think about work and you know so you've never he's like i've never had the time to sit like you said it took after three years is when you finally had that time for yourself to like yeah. sit and feel and really like think about and go through all that stuff and <clears throat> And I think that's so important. Uh, and I think everyone grieves in different ways. Like mm -hmm. even in my experiences, um, a lot of times I get numb. I just, I'm sad, but I'm numb. I don't mm -hmm. know how to, like I cry on other things. You know, I can cry on like anything else. I cry sometimes watching like Japanese cartoons, I can cry, you know? So like, it's not, I'm not unable to cry. Yeah. But in those situations when it really like hits, I don't know, it kind of like, like you said, the walls that kind of come up. Yeah. It's not that I'm not allowed to cry, it's that, it's almost like I'm scared to do it or something. And then sometimes way later down the line, it like all like will come out at some point. Mm. 
Mm. And I think that needs to happen for everyone because that's when the healing begins for yeah. yourself, you know, for yourself and for everything that you're that you're going through. And everyone grieves differently. Yeah, true. There's no, there's no, and that's why when you were saying uh, what was interesting, you like you didn't grieve the way you should. And I thought that was interesting because there is no one way to do it. But you and your mind must have had a certain perspective. Like this is how a grieve I should grieve, mm. right? And I think you went through your own experience of. You didn't go through, you went through maybe the stages, but not linearly, like in different ways, yeah. maybe like denial and then anger came and then there was this and then it was that. So thank you, first of all, so much for sharing that story. I can imagine it's I know it's not easy. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it never is. But I, yeah, I guess it's just about taking every day as it comes. That's all that I can say, because yeah. one thing, it was a very, very bad time, but I just took every day one day at a time one day at a time one step at a time and yeah. believe me that helps that yeah. that's one thing that kept me going exactly you know yeah. um yeah that was supposedly just a few days shy of my 30th birthday yeah yeah you know at, thir at 30 you're supposed to have everything figured out yeah <laughs> but yeah i didn't let any of those things get to me you know because yeah i'm just i think more grateful to be alive yeah to be able to have these beautiful relationships in my life yeah. and to be able to know him and to love him yeah. for that time period that I did because he, he was an amazing guy yeah and um, part of it you know again the responsibility on me was how do I communicate it with my daughter because she was so young she was only eight months so she didn't know so if I wanted I could have chosen to not tell her because it would avoid her the heartbreak yeah but I did since yeah. beginning I made sure that she looks at her videos his videos and his, you know his pictures and everything and she knows who he is yeah and uh, much to the you know disagreement of a lot of people who thought you know so you shouldn't tell her because it will make her sad slowly she will start feeling that there's something that is missing but I don't know if it's if it's going to happen like that but I just feel as if it's I just feel it's the right thing to do, that it was important that she yeah. knows. Yeah. And she knows him. Exactly. And she's very well articulated on on her thoughts about him as well. Yeah, know? exactly. And just the other day, she was telling a few kids in the playground about all about him, you know, like, you know, my dad was so strong, he could lift me up with one hand. <laughs> and my mom tells me I has his That's eyes. So she's adorable. That's awesome. And then they all said, because, you know, grief and, and kids is very hard. How do you explain it to kids? True. So how I did was that I was very candid with her. I'd had conversations with her. And then when, when she, she would ask me, where is he? I would tell her that, you know, he's with Allah because he passed away. Mm. Okay. And oh, mama, is he ever coming back? I said, yeah, sweetie, if, if somebody goes to Allah, he stays there or she stays there. But then eventually we also go. And it's, it's hard for them to understand. She might not comprehend everything, but she might get something out of it. Sure. So it was a very proud moment for me when the other day in the playground, she was telling the kids and they said, okay, but then where's your dad? And she said, look, he's with Allah and he's there and, you know, he's waiting for us. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. So, and, but, and she said he's with the good guys. <laughs> and that was so sweet. That's adorable. Yeah. That's so cute. So, but like you said, I think the kid, like kids is very difficult, but I, I support what you, what you did. I think, you know, if I was in the same situation, I think it's important. It would be important to know. Yeah. Yes, there might, it might cause some. Because you can look at it in two ways, like, oh, they will be sad because they now they'll have questions as to where they are. Yeah. But what if they you can flip it and be like, OK, they grew up never knowing that. And then one day they find out they're going to be like, what the hell? Like, why yeah, did they you will eventually, yes. you know, so there's no right. I don't I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I just think but I would my personally, I would do the same. And I love what you said about 
I'm not moving on, I'm moving forward. Yeah. That is a beautiful thing to say. Every and day. um I had uh her name is what's her name on Dr. Saliha was on the podcast and she's the founder of like Lighthouse. Mm. And she was telling me that you can grieve like there's a difference between grief and mourning. Mm. Uh, you can grieve for there's like stages with grief, but you could mourn forever. Mm. You know, you can carry that with you. And yeah. so that what you said when you were saying that, I'm like, that's exactly what like Sani is doing. And I think that's what we all do. Yeah. I think you're never I don't think you ever be the same. I don't think you can never be the same after going through something like that. But that's okay. Yeah. You know? It's not and that you just become a new person like you become this is the new person Someone that you're going to totally become different, yes. exactly yeah, yeah yeah true how do you feel now that you've shared it how does it feel <laughs> <laughs> um feels okay feels yeah. okay yeah feels like i speak about it with of course my family and friends and it's just something that it's, it's a part of me yeah it's, it defines me who i am yeah it's for the sure. truth yeah yeah I'm, I'm and i'm like again i'm said thank you for sharing with me and with all of us i think so many people don't talk maybe don't talk about this enough because it's just maybe very painful or you know yeah everyone which, has, which is okay like, of course yeah, yeah they there's need no to take their no no, time. no. Yeah. of course everyone t- everyone needs everyone kind of does things in their own yeah. time but i'm very honored that you chose to share it with me and with all of us and i think a lot of people will be able to relate to what you you know what i you've hope been i hope if yeah if it helps someone yeah well we just hope to help that's what yeah, we do that's true that's your logo <laughs> see uh, that's see? a strong brand identity right you there see what i mean it's just so catchy yeah. but you know what's happened like now some, sometimes i'll my friends will ask me for advice or whatever and i'll be like you know i'll give them some advice hope it helps hope it helps but i'm not trying to like plug it but it just turns it out that way so yeah. and i always laugh about it so now it's become like a thing I'm like yeah. i hope it helps like, yeah that's fine there you go um Sunny, I wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've been looking forward to this for a while and I've absolutely loved this conversation from the whole marketing side, but especially getting that getting personal and like to the grief and so on. Um, I think I'm very honored that you share that with us and with me. And I hope that someone can take can relate to this and help them. And if they're going through something to see that there is there's there's a future and there's hope and, you know, things will yeah not be the same but they can they will get better yeah for my last question that i ask all my guests mm-hmm. is what is the message you'd like all of us to take home with us today <sighs> i think my message would be to just have a bit of empathy in you as a person for anybody who's in your life anybody who comes across in your way a little empathy goes a long way and i just feel as if we have that in, in us our relationships they just improve profoundly just being in someone's shoes seeing things from someone's perspective just being a little kind it doesn't take a lot from us but it's just like a muscle that we keep on developing yeah. all of us have it since we were born it's not like women have more and men have less of it but because of our social circumstances you know we we tend to become um, more empathetic or less empathetic so just try to exercise those muscles more and build a little bit more empathy because our world needs it yeah i think that's <laughs> i love that message it's uh resonate with it so much and like you s- i love how you explained it that it is it's a muscle yeah you know like the more you train it the better you get the more aware you are of it and the more probably you can give and the more empathetic and compassionate you can be because like you said given everything that's probably happening right now we could lose, use a little bit more care absolutely yeah Sneha, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was thank a you pleasure. For me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been amazing. Uh, guys, for everyone listening, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, hope it helps. Peace. Pleasure. <laughs>